whenever something comes up that can bring, um, that distracts us from oneness, the enemy has a plan to continue to divide through it. And the Lord has a plan to unite through it and to bring us more into one flesh. And so we constantly have decisions in marriage. Are we going to go the way of division that the enemy wants? Or are we going to allow this hardship, trial, struggle to make us one? All right, Mark and Grace Driscoll here. Welcome back to the uh, Real Marriage Podcast. And uh, honey, I just want to say thank you. This is not what you would choose to do with your life. No, this is how I'm loving you. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And uh, yeah, and so we don't, we don't have all the answers, but we try to be helpful and honest. And I mean, we're kind of still figuring our stuff out too. I mean, we've been together a long time, be 30 years faithfully married this year. We've got the five kids, two of whom are married. And this question um, for our little Valentine series here is one that I think you've got to be asking all the time. Mm, it's good. And that is uh, how to be one flesh in marriage. That's the question. And it comes out of Genesis. I'm preaching through Genesis right now. And, and it says that, uh, <clears throat> that the man will leave his mother and father, that he will cleave or pursue his hold fast, hold fast to his wife. And the two will become one flesh, naked and unashamed. Um, I just preached this, and so it's fresh in my memory. Jesus quotes this twice in Matthew 19 and Mark 10. And Paul quotes it once in Ephesians 5.31, the great section on marriage. So this is uh, one of the um, most significant verses on marriage in the Bible, and it, when Moses says it, Jesus says it, and Paul says it, <laughs> you, you should highlight yes. it, you know, in your Bible. But that one flesh, I'll do a little theological nerd excursus. Um, that Hebrew word for one would have been a word that the Jewish people would have been very familiar with. Um, they would have said three times daily something called the Shema, and it's in Deuteronomy 6. Hear Israel, the Lord our God is a God. We, were, uh, we started watching the Chosen series mm-hmm. last night, and uh, it was cute because in the middle of the series, uh, the guy playing Jesus had the kids do mm-hmm. the Shema, and they quoted Deuteronomy 6. And that word for one God is a God. It's the same Hebrew word for the husband and the wife becoming one. Mm. And so just as the father, son, and spirit are one, the husband and the wife are to be one. The father, son, and spirit, the Trinity, they do everything together. They have no secrets. They're overt. They serve one another. They bless one another. Um, They're completely unified to the degree that even though it's father, son, and spirit, three persons, it's one God. So a husband and a wife, though different persons in marriage become one. And uh, Pastor Jimmy always likes to say it's not which one, but a new one. Mm -hmm. And the problem with becoming one is often the most domineering personality wins. Mm -hmm. So if I'm stronger than you, then then I'm the one and you're going to become like me. If you're stronger than me, then you're the one I'm going to become like you. And the key to marriage is it's a new one. Yes. And so how do you become one 
and maintain that oneness with your spouse. Just super practical. I did all the nerdy theological. You can take the <laughs> the marital practical. Well, I think it's it requires a lot of conversations, which I shouldn't say require. I should say it involves and it's it's an honor to be able to learn about each other and we become one by the more we get to know each other and the more we interact with one another in a loving way, You, we ebb and flow together as one and we're constantly picking up where the other one left off and I'm not talking about socks. And so it's, you really are so connected in who, how you appreciate each other, things that you do for each other, um, ways that you're thinking about each other that it's, you can't tell the difference almost between you can see the distinct roles, but you can't, you see the identity as you're so connected and you're both connected to the Lord. And so you're, you are looked at as one. People see you as one. They, they can't even imagine what you would be like separate. Well, and I, uh, I did a funeral recently. Um, I think they were married, was it 58 years? I think it was 50 some years. Mm -hmm. My memory wants to say 58 years. And uh, beautiful, sweet, godly couple. Uh, they met when they were young, and they were faithfully married. You know, let's say fifty-eight years, and uh, they were buddies. I mean, they, as 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 the as the widow tells the stories, like she loves watching football with them, and going for walks, and going on adventures, and going out to dinner, and playing with the grandkids. Like they were buddies. Like they were friends, mm-hmm. and they. He was a big, fun personality, and they did life together. And uh, and then he passed away. Mm-hmm. And uh, she's super sweet, and it was it was an honor to do uh, the funeral. But she was basically explaining, like, for fifty eight years, half of her was him, mm-hmm. and now he's gone. And he's. I mean, she loves the Lord and she's praying through right. it and stuff, but it's disorienting. It's mm-hmm. like, well, I don't even know who I am without you. We, mm-hmm. We've done everything together and we've been one for 58 years and now you're gone. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, uh, just breakfast has got to be bizarre. Yeah, You know, bedtime has got to be just bewildering. I mean, right. and... And the goal is to live life so much together that you really don't know exactly how life can work without the other one. Mm -hmm. And I think what we tend to do in our culture, we tend to have two independent, selfish people Mm -hmm. who try to negotiate a coexistence. Mm -hmm. And they're roommates, they're not soulmates. And it's almost like parallel train tracks. You stay on your track, I stay on mine. And that's not oneness. No. Um, that's actually a recipe for divorce. Mm-hmm. Because if you're going to be on two separate tracks, eventually you go two separate directions. And so um, this issue of oneness is, it takes a lot of work and intentionality. And I think part of the myth in our culture is you just sort of fall in love and you just, you just your souls just kind of come together <laughs> and boom, it just works. And it's like... I, <laughs> What? I'm not easy to live with? Why are you chuckling? No, I'm just, it, marriage is work for both people. And if they're not willing to, for you. <laughs> if they're not willing yeah. to work at it, they really shouldn't get married. It's work, but there's so much blessing in it if yeah. you're willing 
to do the work well and to connect. Because whenever something comes up that can bring, um, that distracts us from oneness, the enemy has a plan to continue to divide through it. And the Lord has a plan to unite through it and to bring us more into one flesh. And so we constantly have decisions in marriage. Are we going to go the way of division that the enemy wants? Or are we going to allow this hardship, trial, struggle to make us one? And I think, I mean, COVID was a test in a lot of marriages for that. And there was record, there's record divorces. Well, yeah, because during that season and i mean we're in arizona so we talk about what it used to be like in covid <laughs> people in portland are like it's over nobody told me uh you know i'm sitting at home right now in a plastic bag uh, with hand sanitizer in my hot tub and so um and so what happened was it forced people to be together and if you're not committed to oneness it becomes uh, very unpleasant because mm -hmm. like I, I go to work so that I don't have to be with you all yeah, the time. Exactly. Um, I, um, you know, I have hobbies and activities cause I, I don't want to deal with mm -hmm. you and you have your things and I have my things. Cause you know, if we're together all the time, it's not going to work cause we're going to, we're going to, you know, we're mm -hmm. divided. Mm -hmm. And, and so now we're shoved together and we have to be home together and we have to work from home. We're, now we're homeschooling and all these kinds mm -hmm. of things. And, I mean, in the last two years, if you weren't one, you, you really were pressed toward one of two options, blow up the marriage or figure out how to be one. Mm -hmm. Yep. Because you didn't really have a choice. I know of some couples where the husband used to travel a lot and during COVID he didn't travel at all. And they were both concerned going into it thinking, okay, what is going to happen? And several of the couples were like, it was amazing. We got to actually be together more and just connect and talk. And, you know, of course we still worked, but it wasn't gone for days on a on a work trip or, you know, and so I think they chose to allow God to yeah. make them one flesh in that season. So the one flesh includes sex. I mean, it's mm -hmm. the consummation of the marriage covenant, but mm -hmm. the principle of oneness um, is it includes the physical and the sexual, but it's far more than that. Because if you're not one in every area of life, you're not going to have the intimacy and the safety to be one sexually. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, what are some ways just practically that come to mind for you that couples sort of undermine oneness, even by just how they put their life together? Um, I think that, I mean, I was just reading because you mentioned Ephesians 5, the end, it says, however, let each one of you love his wife as himself. So the husband's to love the wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. And I think when we're in that mode that God designed us to be in, um, the husband loving the wife, the wife respecting the husband, it brings us together as one flesh because there's a mutual respect in that. And we're both working to do that. God says to love the wife, because that's going to be more challenging. He's going to, he's not going to be as easy to love her um, in just his normal going about his business day. And so, and she's going to struggle ruling over him because that's the curse. And so she's going to struggle with that respect. But if you are both working on that, it builds trust and she's going to feel loved and she's going to want to trust and he's going to feel respected and he's going to want to trust. And that builds oneness. So I think just 
in the core value of what how God designed us as men and women in marriage, I think it's so easy to not practice the love and respect, and then the one flesh just doesn't happen because we're we're warring against each other. Um, but I think if we're seeking to do that and respect and love each other and honor each other in that, then it's going to be a lot easier to have that one flesh look in our marriage. Well, on the opposite, sometimes the best way to learn something is to look at what the opposite is. Mm. The opposite of oneness is division. Right. It's divided. Mm -hmm. And Jesus says, a house that's divided falls down. Mm -hmm. And so if you want your marriage to stand up and your family to stand up, you need to be united. And mm -hmm. we had a season uh, some years ago, uh, one of the hardest seasons of our uh, life. And it felt like everything was just sort of shaking and crumbling around us. And we had the five kids and I mean, we were both kind of shell shocked and overwhelmed. And, and I remember meeting with the kids and one-on-one -on -one, cause kids process things differently mm -hmm. and they're different maturity levels, they're different ages, they're different personalities. So I want to check with each of the kids, you know, permission to speak freely. How are you doing? What are you thinking? What questions can I answer? And um, I think I said this in the sermon in Genesis recently, but every one of the five kids in some form or fashion said basically the same thing. They said, oh, this is terrible. We're kind of overwhelmed. We're not sure what's going to happen. But you and mom and the Lord always stick together. Mm -hmm. They said, so we know that you guys are going to figure it out. Mm -hmm. Now, um, what happens is if you are united when pressure comes, it pushes you together if you are divided when pressure comes, it blows you apart. Mm -hmm. And what the last few years have provided for a lot of marriages is a lot of pressure. Yeah. And Satan wants to use it, like I said, absolutely to just blow you apart. He's given us a million opportunities in our almost 30 years together. And we just, we say, no, we got to figure this out. Well, and that's what happened in Genesis 3, bring up Satan. He didn't even show up until they were married. Mm -hmm. So we always say, yeah. after the wedding comes the war, and immediately he tried to get them divided. Mm -hmm. That was his goal was division. Mm -hmm. And then the division goes to the kids, and one kills the other, and the rest of human history is a bunch of division. Yep. And just think of it, all of the division on planet Earth started when one husband and one wife didn't choose oneness mm -hmm. right after God told him to. <laughs> so yes. literally Genesis two, I mean, I'm, I'm riffing Genesis two ends with be one mm -hmm. Genesis three, Satan shows up and they're like, now we're going to do two. Yeah. And that division has led to all other division in all of human history. Yeah. And he just told them <laughs> literally from the end of chapter two, to the beginning of chapter three, mm -hmm. they've already broken the one thing he told them to do, and that's to be one. So practically, should a married couple that wants to pursue oneness, should they have one last name? Yes. Okay. Why is that? Because you're working at being one and you're not two separate people with two last names when you're married. It's and not so. two families mm -hmm. with two last names. It's one family. Yep. Um, should they live in one state? Yes. We're seeing an increased number of marriages in America where two people literally work different jobs in different states and then come together on the weekends. Yeah, or odd days during the month. 
Yeah, no, you need to be together, leave and cleave. <laughs> well, and the Bible talks in Hebrews about the marriage bed, not mm -hmm. the marriage beds. Mm -hmm. And if How are you, you supposed to get to know each other and have a relationship if you don't spend time together? Yeah, to me, that's a, that's a brokenness and a total dysfunction. Like if you're on military deployment or something, right. I understand. But like if you've intentionally architected your life to where you live in two cities and you only see each other intermittently, that's a catastrophic fail. Mm -hmm. That's not oneness. Mm -hmm. So they should have one last name. They should live in one house. Um, should they attend one church? Yes. Okay, explain that. One God. <laughs> okay, should they, that's a good one. Should they have one God? Yes. <laughs> um, the not divorce, to, did they, not to interrupt you, sweetie. I always say that before I interrupt you. But, um, <laughs> not to be unequally yoked. <laughs> <laughs> but the highest divorce rates are two people who practice different mm -hmm. religions. Yeah. And so if, if they're under Satan and you're under Jesus, I, you talk about how are you supposed to be one? What does darkness have to do with light? What does good have to do with the evil? What does God have to do with Satan? Yeah. If you're in that circumstance, we're praying for you and we want them to get saved. But like, man, you, you've got to be under one God and, and it needs to be Jesus Christ. Yeah, that's the goal for sure if you're not there yet. So they need to be under one state, one house, under one God. Talk about one church. Yeah, I mean, this, this definitely is something we've seen as well where people worship separately because they have different interests and or different theologies mm -hmm. or different relational mm -hmm. communities i mean again it it can lead to immense division because you're pursuing your spiritual life separately um, now we do need to have our own relationship with the lord independently of our spouse but when we practice that we need to be able to come together and experience the work of the Lord together and confront and correct and love each other together in the same church body. We have a lot of times people want to hide and go to different churches from each other because then people aren't really getting to know them as a couple. Looking at their marriage issues mm -hmm. or their family issues. Yeah. And so um, it really, it really doesn't make sense if you want to grow in oneness and spiritually together and even the example that you set for if you have kids, I mean, I don't even know how to sort that out as a child if my parents are going to separate churches. It just, it says division. It speaks it loudly. Well, and, and church is about relational community, mm -hmm. modeling, accountability, uh, you know, a network of support. And uh, yeah, you're right. I mean, if your churches do it differently and then it, you come into an issue in your marriage and you're like, well, my church does it this way and, oh, my church does it that way, then you're letting the church instead of God determine what you should do in your marriage. And so it brings division. It's just Yeah, and you're not, not sitting under the same teaching. Mm -hmm. You're not worshiping together. Mm -hmm. um, and, and you can't know somebody until you get to know their spouse. Yeah. And if you're going to two different churches, it's like, well, I just want to get to know people and build relationships. Like, well, if your spouse isn't here, mm -hmm. we really don't even know who you are. Because yeah. if you truly are one, the other half of you is gone. Yep. Um, so one state, one house, one God, one last name, one church. What about uh, one, I'll call it one bank account. You can have multiple bank accounts, but, but shared, complete, overt financial information, mm -hmm. spending, data. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's just, if you don't trust each other, you shouldn't get married. So, um, but yes, financially is included in that. 
And some couples, it's like, I've got my money, you've got your money. I've got my account, you've got your account. I've got my bills, you've got your bills. I don't know where you're at. You don't know where I'm at. That's mm-hmm. not oneness. No. Breed secrecy. Yep. How about uh, one calendar? Yeah, I mean, it's not a requirement, but yeah, it can be helpful in seeing, um, connecting again and seeing, okay, how can I serve? How do we put life together? Yeah, how do we put life together? How can I serve him or her this way? How can I pray for him or her? On the, This is on the schedule today. I know this is hard for them. Um, it just, it really helps you pay attention and be aware of what the person is doing and needing. And Yeah, because a lot of times oneness is just real practical. Mm-hmm. How about uh, sleeping in one bed? Mm-hmm. One of the growing trends in architectural design and custom homes is two master bedrooms with two master bathrooms and two master closets so that the husband and the wife basically it's almost like a condo and you've got your condo and I got my condo yeah it doesn't make sense to me I mean I just I literally don't understand it because I don't understand why you'd get married if you don't want to be together I (laughs) I think that's the point of marriage well I think either Number one, you really don't want to be married, but you're Christians and you're trying to find a way mm-hmm. to have sex without getting in trouble. Mm-hmm. Or you've got so much pent up problems in your relationship that it's almost, um, you know, it's almost like the Great Wall of China. You live on that side. I live on this mm-hmm. side. It's like the demilitarized zone in Korea. Mm-hmm. You've got North and South Korea and in the middle is the demilitarized zone and nobody goes in it. Otherwise, there's going to be a war. Mm-hmm. I mean, if your house has a demilitarized zone, <laughs> you probably need to go get a counselor as soon as possible. Yes. Yeah. It's like you stay over there. I stay over here. Otherwise, we have a lot of conflict. Yeah, that would be hardness of heart. That would be a problem for sure. Um, what about one vacation? Yeah, I guess that is a trend. People are taking separate vacations. His vacation, her vacation. Mm -hmm. He's in Vegas with the guys. She's in Paris with the girls. Mm -hmm. Yeah, again, I don't think it's a good idea. It's it's tempting to um, be independent from your spouse. And strength is not bad, but independence. Explain that, babe. So are you a strong personality? Yes, I am. (laughs) Is your husband a strong personality? Yes, you are. (laughs) Are we independent? No, we work to be one. Because if you're, if you're, so strength is never a problem. It's independence. Mm-hmm. And so if you're both strong and you pull together, you're going to get a lot done. Mm-hmm. And if you're both strong and you're independent, you're just going to, it's like a tug of war. You're just going to exhaust each other. You're going to wear one another out. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there is a trend of growing um, vacations, his and hers, which to me is really weird. It's like, when I really want to relax, when I really want to unwind, when I really want to, you know, recover and make memories and have a good time, I need to be single for a week or two. I need yeah. to take a break from my marriage. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I'm a silence and solitude guy. Um, and so, you know, so I go hiking in the woods mm-hmm. and I, I pray and I, I like my solitude. Mm-hmm. I I'm around people for a living and I love people, but I don't find them energizing. And so the difference between an introvert and an extrovert is not are you good with people or bad with people. The question is, do they energize you or do they exhaust you? Mm -hmm. Do they give you energy or take your energy? Mm -hmm. For you, are you more of an introvert or an extrovert? I'm kind of in the middle, but probably lean extrovert. How about me? Introvert. How would you say moderate introvert, Um, very introverted or... Um, Unabomber. Where am I on the <laughs> spectrum? I'd say very, but yet you can 
socialize, you know, in those contexts. So, but you're very introverted as far as you need that to recoup. I like silence, solitude, prayer, study, a lot of the contemplative disciplines. You like more the active disciplines, serving, mm -hmm. helping. And so you're more active. I'm more contemplative. But you still like me to be around if you're getting solitude. Yeah, because I see a difference <laughs> between, and this is where I'm going with it. There is a difference between solitude and isolation. Mm -hmm. Isolation is, um, you know, I, I, you're in a dangerous place. Mm-hmm. Solitude, so it says that Jesus often withdrew to lonely places to be alone with the Father. So we do life together. I mean, we do, we do life together. We everything we just told you. That's we're in one state, one God, one house, one last name, one calendar, one budget. I mean, you know, we do everything together. But there are times that because I'm an introvert, I need some solitude. Mm -hmm. And that is not that I don't want to be with you. It's I just really need to be with the Lord. And it says in the scriptures that Jesus often withdrew to lonely places to be alone or to meet with the Father. Mm -hmm. Solitude is where I walk away from certain relationships just for a, a brief bit to really focus on the relationship with the Lord. Isolation is I'm walking away from, let's say, my spouse or my kids, but I'm not walking toward the Lord. I, I'm walking toward trouble. Yeah. So when I get solitude with the Lord, does a better or worse version of me come home? A better version. So explain, maybe explain that. Yeah, it replenishes your soul at a deep, you know, the soul level. And so then you have more of the fruit of the spirit to give out because you've taken, you know, you've gone from depleted to filled back up to now you can serve out of that overflow. So for me, like solitude is I'll get a good night's sleep, and then I'll go for a long hike in the mountains uh, up in the woods here in Arizona. And there's beautiful high country mile up, you know, 20, 25 degrees cooler than, mm -hmm. than the valley. And there's snow and rivers. And, you know, Arizona's probably not entirely like a lot of people would think. The valley is cactus, but that's not all there is. <laughs> and so for me, there are things that I want to talk to the Lord about. There are things I want to ask the Lord about. There are things I want to listen about. There are things I want to study and I like to study. And, yeah. and because I put out so much content and Bible teaching, I need a lot of head time and mm -hmm. processing and studying time. And so for me, um, the solitude, it is not a threat to our marriage. It strengthens my relationship with the Lord, which gives you a better husband. Mm -hmm. And so what we are recommending, you know, the question was, um, you know, how do you be one flesh in marriage? And there's some really practical things like your calendar and your budget and your priorities. But at the end of the day, um, most of your time and effort should be together. There should be nothing in your life that is a secret. Right. I mean, we've known married couples to where she doesn't know where he works. Like, that's not oneness. No, no. That's crazy. Uh, you know, he doesn't know that she's got a separate bank account. Mm -hmm. So there shouldn't be secrecy. There shouldn't be covert behavior. But that doesn't mean that on occasion there can't be solitude. Uh, but again, a guy taking a week off with his buddies in Vegas is not solitude. Mm -mm, no. No, and the isolation, Proverbs 18 speaks to that. Whoever isolates himself seeks his own desire. And so, again, it builds that independence when we isolate. That's a great verse. Um, Did you just he, pull that out? He breaks out against all sound judgment 
And so he he tends toward folly because he's isolating and not seeking wise counsel either from spouse or pastor or whatever. And so isolation can be very dangerous. And we've seen them, you know, mental health effects of that in these last couple of years as well. And so um, it's very important to make sure that in that oneness, if you're an introvert, yes, get that time to replenish with the Lord and to build your soul back up with the Lord, not with the guys at Vegas, like you said, um, and and really be working toward ultimately the goal of oneness in your marriage and how to be one flesh. So then, uh, close to this too, how can this pursuit of oneness really be sabotaged, be sabotaged by uh, un, unhealthy friendships or unhealthy extended family? Because <laughs> they tend to mitigate against all your time and energy going primarily and firstly toward your spouse. Yeah, I mean, you taught this in the Genesis series, but I think, um, you know, the leaving and cleaving is super important in the oneness um, goal. And that means boundaries because you now have a new family with your spouse and that's a separate family than your extended family. And so um, to create healthy boundaries. Now, if they are investing in your marriage without strings attached, if they are godly and loving you and blessing you and everything that they do for your marriage to help you become one flesh and to help you become closer in your walk with the Lord, that's great. And that's not common, but that's awesome. And absolutely, you know, receive that if there's nothing attached strings wise. But, um, in unfortunately more common is, um, extended family that and friends that pull you apart to take your time so that you aren't working on being one in marriage. And and with that, you need to create boundaries and pray through what those boundaries look like. Not not so that you can blast the person or, you know, be rude, but sometimes they will receive a boundary as as rude, but you can do it lovingly. But it's super important to establish those so that, number one, so that your spouse knows that they are the priority. Um, And number two, for the health of the future of your marriage, and the earlier you get those set in place, the easier, because you can always loosen a boundary, but to put one when you haven't had any, it's really, it can be really challenging with people, especially extended family. And so, yeah, that's a huge Because sometimes what extended family will do, they'll have a They'll have a jacked up marriage mm-hmm. and they'll want to jack up your marriage mm-hmm. or they'll have a jacked up family and they'll want to jack up your family. Yeah. Maybe they're codependent yeah. and then you get married and they still want to be codependent. You're married, you're like, oh, we want to do Christmas together. And your family and friends are like, nope, we made plans for you. You're like, no, no, no. Mm-hmm. It says that the two shall become one, yep. not the 17, not the 34, <laughs> not the friend group, not the extended family, mm-hmm. not the in-laws, not the outlaws. Mm-hmm. The man and the woman shall become one. And anybody who's trying to get in the middle of that or add to that number, they are in a place that is not appropriate Mm -hmm. for them. And so sometimes it is that you want to be one with your spouse, but your friends or your extended family Mm -hmm. are cutting in line. They're taking your time and energy and you're not giving the first fruits to the Lord and to your spouse. And that's where you got to have a conversation as a couple and just say, okay, we need to reset some things because if we allow them to decide what we do, we can't do what God has commanded us to do. And that is to become one. Yeah, absolutely. All right. If you got a question, send it in to hello at uh, 
realfaith.com and we'll do our best to answer it for you. Thanks, babe.